Hello, friends. This is Brad Warren, and you are listening to Beyond the Event, a youth ministry podcast presented by Christ in Youth, where we help youth ministries maintain momentum between the mountaintops. Today, we are continuing our series about ministry in urban, suburban, and rural contexts. We have finally reached the point where I have to use a word that is the bane of my existence, and I will have to use it about a hundred times. If any of you watched the show 30 Rock, there was an episode where Jenna Maroney is set to star in a courtroom drama, and I'm going to slow down for this, called The Rural Juror. And I resonated so much with the pain of all the surrounding characters as they tried desperately and poorly to pronounce the name of their friend's new movie. So bear with me. We're talking about the rural church today. This has been a really, really fun series as we've explored the nuances of ministry in different contexts. And I personally have engaged in these conversations through the lens of a high school guy's small group leader. And I've learned from Scott and Lindsay both um, about the similarities and differences between life in Joplin, Missouri, and life in either an urban center or a suburban neighborhood, respectively. And I believe today's conversation is going to continue to add layers to how we view the kingdom at work here in our country and around the world. But also, I hope you will hear something today and think to yourself, you know what, that's actually pretty accessible to me, even though my community has very little in common with Matt's. And one of my biggest hopes for this episode and for the series as a whole is that you'll hear what he has to say and come to the conclusion that your ministry has way more in common with his than you may have even realized. So depending on your own lens, rural America might be romanticized, it might be villainized, it's almost certainly stereotyped, uh, and in many ways rural ministry has been given the same treatment that we give rural America culturally. They're kind of the flyover states of churches. So let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. If you take a minute and just think about what your dream ministry job is, do that for a second. Just think, if I could be anywhere doing ministry, where would I want to be? Most people listening to this podcast right now, they're not thinking of Maysville, Kentucky, or Paris, Illinois, or Prairie Grove, Arkansas. And honestly, that's fine. I don't think that you should be made to feel guilty about that. Uh, but at the same time, our brothers and sisters in those places, they're doing incredible kingdom work. And we at CIY don't want to overlook that. So I'm excited for you to hear from our guest today about his experience doing ministry in a rural community. Uh, he's a 20-plus year veteran of youth ministry, and you may have seen him on <laughs> a stage at MOVE. So uh, Matt Tibbet is with us today. Matt, welcome to the show. Super glad to be here. First of all, rural people don't even use the word rural. So if you want to like refer to it as small town ministry or something like that small to make town. it easier... Yeah, we don't use that word. We can't pronounce it either. In our that's in our existence. prep, you called it ministry in the sticks. The sticks, so, yes, that's a good term. Is that what we're going to stick with? So uh, I don't you, have to say the word rural. You are in charge and not me. You do whatever you want. <laughs> I will not say rural because I will totally classify myself as somebody who doesn't know our language. So Actually, as we're having this conversation, I think the trick might be to speed it up. Rural. I tried to slow it, yeah, slow, yeah, I tried to slow it down, that? and I think that actually threw me off a yeah, little bit. Yeah, yeah. Rural sounds worse than rural. Rural. Yeah. Rural. Yeah. It's kind of like holler. Like, I live down in the holler. If you say holler, people just, they're like, what? Who are you? You know, holler. You know, holler. Kind of speed it up. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. I get it. I mean, I'm from Kentucky, so we always get torn up about how people say Louisville. 
Oh, yeah. And okay. you got to speed that one up. Too, yeah, if you so. pronounce that S, you're in trouble. Yeah, you're done. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, I got you. Hey, thanks for being with us, man. I'm excited to have you here. Honored to have you here. Uh, Why don't you uh, start off by just telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? So, Matt Tibbet, uh, I don't know where to start. You want, like, deep, dark fears, ministry, family, doesn't matter? Yeah, family, okay. ministry, and then fears. Let's uh, do that. Okay. Oh, gosh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> uh, now i got to come up with fear. Uh, okay, family, uh, married to my wife, Kelsey Noel, uh, going on, I think this will be 18, 19 years. Hopefully she doesn't hear this, and I couldn't know exactly which year, but uh, 18, 19 years, two daughters, Mackenzie, she's a sophomore in our high school ministry, Aubrey Grace is an uh, eighth grader in our, our junior high ministry, so she'll be with us at MOVE this summer, which is pretty exciting. Um, man, ministry-wise, I've been at Prairie Grove Christian Church for, uh, this is my 16th year, there's an asterisk there, uh, I usually try to say that I did leave for a year in the beginning, which that's a conversation for another day, but... Uh, going on 16 years, first 12, I was kind of solo, 11, 12 by myself. And then about four or five years ago, we hired uh, someone who's become one of my best friends. The day she hangs it up is the day I have a long, hard decision with, uh, talk with the Lord about whether I want to keep doing this because she's awesome. But Abby Gann, so we tag team, we run junior high and high school kind of separate, and she does a little bit of young adult stuff well as well. So, um, but yeah, Prager of Arkansas, when you hear that, you think two teeth and a banjo, sticks, rural. <laughs> Uh, and it is some of that, but you know we're really close to like the fastest growing area in the nation that you guys know about because you go down there to hang out. But yeah. uh, Northwest Arkansas, and so kind of twenty minutes away from Walmart headquarters, JB Hunt headquarters, Tyson headquarters. But we're in the sticks. So, okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you're right there near a little bit of a larger metropolitan area. Yeah, yeah. But your community, tell me a little bit about Prairie Grove. So it's it really was until they built a bypass about five six years ago. It was literally a one stoplight town. We had one stoplight on a little old historical shopping district. Uh, man, it, one school district, you know, we've got Prairie Grove Elementary, Prairie Grove you know, Middle School, Prairie Grove Junior High is being built, Prairie Grove High School, but a little different from bigger towns where they might have more than one high school, more than one junior high, more than one elementary. Um, very small, uh, two gas stations, a Subway, a Sonic, uh, two Mexican restaurants that literally serve the exact same thing and everybody argues over which one is better and they used to be right next door to each other. So which one is uh, better? Uh, literally, it's just a matter of one of them is cheaper. <laughs> they literally are the same exact Doesn't American Tex-Mex. It does not matter. Both serve white queso, which is literally like from heaven. And so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> then the cheaper one's better. Yeah, yeah. Um, but really small town. Used to be, when we moved there, uh, near 5,000 people. That was 2006, and it's grown quite a bit to where uh, I think we just hit over 7,000 the last census. So, but still really small. Yeah, yeah. But it's growing pretty quick, and I'm kind of sad and happy about that. But That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Hey, um, so I'm interested to know, when you introduce yourself to people, and you say, hey, I'm Matt Tibbet, I'm a youth pastor in Prairie Grove, Arkansas, and they say, hey, what the heck is Prairie Grove, Arkansas? And you say... Well, it's a town of seven thousand people. Yeah. What, what, uh, what stereotypes do you immediately have to begin to tear down? Like, wh- what is the assumption that's made about you and your community and your church and the way that you minister to those people that may or may not actually even be true? Okay, one of the things I've been on TikTok for about two and a half months now, and TikTok has shown me that number one, it's a wild place. TikTok is wild. Okay. But it's shown me that, that there very much is a little bit of, of a perception about small town life and small town people that you kind of get kind of pigeonholed, you know, as being this type of person. And they just assume, well, everybody's like that. You know what I mean? And probably the greatest misconception is there's no diversity politically, religiously, faith-wise, life-wise, morally, sexually, all that stuff. And I do think 
prior to technological advances, prior to go back 50, 60 years, maybe that was more true. Like, yeah, these people all kind of live the exact same lifestyle, feel the same way politically, religiously, uh, morally, faith-wise, all that stuff. But I think because of the connectedness of the world and how exposed people have become, that we're pretty diverse. We're still, I think, you're going to find a larger slice of certain, you know, aspects of life, morally, faith-wise. You're going to find a larger slice, but there is diversity there. And I think that a lot of people miss that. You know, they just think we're kind of all the same. We're all the same job, intelligence level. We vote the same. And it's just not true. It's not true. It's very, uh, very diverse. And I, I think with students, especially for the sake of this conversation, um, you would think that we're going to show up to a move and everybody's got their cowboy boots on and their camo. And, and that is true for a lot of our kids. But <laughs> Students are always so desperate to try to, like, find their place. And when you're not that, that typical run-of-the-mill ilk, it used to be you were just an outsider. I don't fit in. And nowadays these kids can gravitate to something else that they've been exposed to online or technology and find a new identity. And so students are very diverse in our community. There are larger slices that are kind of the same, but there's a lot of diversity there, you know? So do you think that the fact that there are these larger slices that are kind of the same as you're calling it, does that make it more difficult to create an atmosphere that feels safe to other people in your community who might not fit the mold quite as well? Like, how do you navigate that? You definitely want, and I'm glad you asked that because you you have to be more aware of it. You have to be aware of the fact that like, okay, you know, for me personally, like I love to hunt and I love to, you know, the outdoors and archery and I'm a, I'm a huge bow hunter. And I got invited into the school district uh, years ago, and I've done it for a few years, uh, not recently because of COVID, but to coach archery. And I go in and I think, well, all of these kids that are interested in archery probably feel the same way I do about archery and hunting. And lo and behold, I asked one day, hey, I'm thinking of bringing in some 3D targets where you guys can shoot at some animals. And I had two students out of about 20 that were not okay with that. And and so it's just, it kind of opened my eyes a little bit in that moment of like, well, they're not all the same, you know? And you just, you have to be aware of that stuff that it, it it can be really easy to slip into just assuming all the kids are like the kids that you see predominantly in front of you. When I go to a ball game, I'll see the stands full of kids that, that I literally have never seen before. And they're not like the kids that predominantly sit in our, you know, our worship area or hang out on or hang outside of our youth building. And so you've just got to be aware of it. Um, and I think too, my wife has been really good. Abby's been really good to have on staff because, you know, she gives a, they both give like a female perspective oftentimes that, you know, we do a funny video of the week every week. Uh, I've done that for like 20 years and just find it used to be easy. Now it's hard to find something, but find something stupid and make everybody laugh. It doesn't even have to do anything to do with our ministry or our programming. But like, it's real easy for me to find something that I gravitate to that I think is funny, you know, but just knowing that like, you know what, not everyone else out there has the same sense of humor. They may be into really obscure Star Wars, alternate universe humor stuff. And you got to embrace that, you know, and, and work with it and run with it. So I think being aware of it and just making sure that you're not ministering to the kids that fit your natural slant and trying to be open to that diversity. Are your students more, are they more interested in in kind of protecting like a, a culture or are they more open? Like, are they more open even maybe than people in your generation and the generations older than you? Oh, a million percent. And yeah, oh, yeah. And, and opening their arms and welcoming people with different backgrounds into the into the fold because they've grown up students walking through the doors of youth ministries today and I did not grow up in church and so it's just not true for me but this isn't true for me but students that walk through the the doors of youth groups and churches today are more exposed 
to other ways of thinking and lifestyles than any generation that's ever existed because of technology and connectedness and, and all that stuff. And so they are 1 million percent more open to embracing diversity in our little small town culture than, than definitely older generations. Sometimes to a fault, you know, it can, it can cause them to maybe lean outside of the guidelines of Scripture sometimes in certain areas, but they're a million percent more flexible and malleable in that respect. Yeah, I will say it doesn't surprise me to hear that students yeah. could be the ones like leading the way a little oh, bit yeah. on like showing adults, hey, this is how you do this. This is how yeah. you uh, this is how you can still do things that you love and and enjoy things that you love to do, but also be more open and inviting to uh, people who have a different perspective than you. So that's really cool. Yeah. Um, hey, I want to know what you think. Uh, some great things about doing ministry in rural America are what are what are the big pros. What do you love about your community and that you get to do ministry there? So many. And when you were doing that intro there and you were just talking about, like, some of you might not think of wanting to do ministry that, like, breaks my heart because I I cannot imagine doing it anywhere else. I mean, I love small-town life, ministry in the sticks or rural community, whatever you want to call it. Um, The biggest pro, and I hope I can think of of a lot here, but the biggest pro that that I can think of right now is just the simplicity and the connectedness. So, So, like... A lot of people listening to this may do ministry in, in an urban area or suburban where there are a lot of high schools and a lot of middle schools and a lot of junior highs. And so your schedule ministry-wise, when you're trying to put on an event or an activity or go on a retreat or pick a week of move, you're you're trying to literally align the stars to pull this off. And in our community, because we are a one-district community, one building at each you know kind of grouping level, it's just a lot simpler. It's still pretty complex. There's sports stuff going on every night of the week, but it's just... It's a lot more simple to, to make it to games uh, with all the students to try to visit a game here and there versus trying to go to a football game on a Friday night for four different high schools, you know, and, and it's just it's simpler. But the part of that, though, th- that I love as far as like the small town community is the connectedness. And um, I don't really know how to put this clearly without using too many words, but like we do life with the same people on all different facets. And so like in a in a big town where kids may, you know, they may, they may go to school with completely different students than, than who they go to church with. And I've seen that in our community where kids struggle, like who they're growing with academically and, and athletically and socially is not the same group of kids that they, they're growing with spiritually. A lot of times they struggle. It can create an opportunity for uh, maybe diabolicalness, if that's even a word. Um, in their faith. It, it is now. Okay, it is now, because I, I don't claim to be an intelligent person, but it, it can create a duality, and like, you know, they can be one person here and a different person at church way easier than they could in our town, because in our town, the kids you go to school with and play sports with, and go to ch- they're the same, and there's some accountability with that, but what I love is just the tight-knit, and, and people who move to our area, and we have tons of people wanting to move there, they feel it, they sense it, that it, it, this town is a family, and everybody, everybody has everybody's back. And, and what I love about that is it's simple, it's connected, it's family, it's community. I think it's biblical, and I don't mean biblical in like a, like a right and wrong way, like there's the right way and wrong. I just mean that, that, that the New Testament people, that the lifestyles that they lived probably reflect the rural small town life more than they do the urban big city for the most part, for the most part. And, and just that, like, those people, they were agricultural people, they were, you know, shepherds, they were, you know, maybe business owners, but they didn't have the, you know, transportation that we do. They didn't have the connectedness that we do. And, and so they just, 
the people that they did life with, that was their people, their community, their, their, their churches, they met in a home. And, and what I love is, is that that aspect of Prairie Grove and small town ministry is just everybody knows everybody. There are some negatives there too, but everybody <laughs> knows everybody. Everybody knows what's going on. We're super connected. We do life with each other in, in so many different areas, and it's just a very family community feel. And it makes it sets church up as a springboard, really, to just further build on that connectedness and that community, you know. Um, now, the flip side of that, not to jump to con, but would be you hear it, gossip and slander and everybody, you know, and there is that. But, you know, we try to embrace the opposite side of that blessing and just everybody being involved in every every aspect of everyone else's life. It's just a good thing, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. I What you're saying sounds appealing to me. I would move to Prairie Grove. Yeah. I don't know if you guys are, like, taking applicants or what. No, I'm kidding. But um, – <laughs> I good luck finding <laughs> finding a house that's not ridiculously overpriced right well, now. Well, same here. But um it's it's interesting to me that you, I feel like you don't read a lot of stories about small towns that are growing. So for you to be like, yeah. hey, it was a town of 5,000 people, now it's a town of 7,000 people and we're not talking about huge numbers here, obviously, like it's it's percentage-wise large growth, but it's still a small town. Yeah. You know what I mean? But the fact that people are wanting to to jump in and be a part of what you guys have going on there is a really yeah. cool thing, and I don't think uh, I don't think that can be overstated. But um, all right, so you mentioned kind of the gossip and slander, and anytime you have a, a group of people that are 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 close knit like that yeah. and and run in all the same circles, like you talk about, that's going to be an issue. Um, it's an issue in rural communities. It's an issue in yeah. non rural communities. But um, what are some other unique challenges that you think that you face as a result of the context that you do ministry in? Some, I really, the things that popped in my head immediately would just be more like, there are certain things in the community that because everybody's involved in them, they're just felt on such a bigger level. Football is life in the fall. Square dance is life in the months of July, August, in the beginning of September. As I know, as I say that, your face, you're like, what in the heck? Square dance. And we can explain that in a second. But like, there are just certain things because we're such a smaller community that if you were in a big town and some girls are part of a dance team, well, that youth group, youth minister, he or she, man, they're going to have 10 other kids that are involved in 10 other dance clubs or whatever, you know? And so it's just, it's not as, you know, big of a deal to everyone. But in our town, football's huge to the point that like in the fall, we used to do Ozark events in the fall. And, you know, it's two hours away. We used to do uh, trips and events and activities in the fall on a weekend and at the end of the day about five six years ago we just decided to stop fighting it because we're asking every football player who we want to be a part of our youth group every band kid who we want to be every cheerleader every palm squad every everything for them to to let their coaches and their teammates down and and i know as a youth minister we're like faith should be the most important we want you to make church the most important but but why put them in that position you know, if this is a huge deal, why not work with it? You know, so we just focus in the fall on making our programming we do Wednesday, Sunday nights the best that it can be, connecting with those kids in the venues and areas that they're already a part of and trying to do life with them where they're at and just try to not plan events around that. So it was a con in the beginning, but it, we just kind of decided to stop letting that be a con. Same thing with square dance. Okay, this is... Yeah, we're going to have to we're gonna have to camp out here for okay. a second. Uh, I sorry. don't know what to tell you. Okay, okay, okay. I, uh, what? Okay. All right. So here we go. 
in the 60s, the short of it is there was this teacher that square danced. And when you think square dance, you think old people go into some kind of club and, you know, have a partner and they, you know, call or calls things and they dance. Do you, you have any context for what square dance is? I mean, is? I've seen movies. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So there you go. Um, it's that. It's wilder. Um, but moral of the story, she started teaching it to the kids and it became an exhibition and a competition thing to the point that, I mean, it, they say they're the largest youth square dance competition in the world. There's another one in, like, Brazil that, like, rivals them. And so every Labor Day weekend, there's this big, like, craft fair in town, and there are two days of exhibition and competition dance. And when I say, like, square dance, when you think this, you think, oh, this is just, like, the outcast nerdy kids, like, Tibbet that do this. No, it is, like, everybody does this. It is lifelong bragging rights if you win this competition as a high schooler. It's unreal. I'm talking 1,500 people camped out on a hillside for hours in the sun watching Kids do an eight to ten minute routine where they step the whole time and dance. It's wild. It's wild. So I am having some like visceral flashbacks right now to a week of move. <laughs> yes. Where about seventy yes. people piled onto a stage uh-huh. and square danced. Uh-huh. Was that your youth group? That was our kids. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yep. And they were and, well, like guys. When he says it was everybody, it was at, I mean, it was everybody. Yeah. I mean, it's everybody does this. And it's huge. So they start practicing some of the competition groups in May. And so they're meeting once or twice a week throughout the summer. And then once you get into August and they're doing football two-a-days and they're doing square dance practice three, four nights a week, we used to – this is no joke. We used to start youth group. uh, We'd take a break in the summer to do camp and CIY Mm -hmm. and mission trips and stuff. And then we would would kick off when school kicked off. And then we'd have this great kind of week kickoff, but it was a great kickoff. And then we'd start building after square dance started was over and we just decided to stop fighting it yeah and so and and so now we we kick off our programming in the fall the wednesday after and the sunday night for high school after square dance is over just because it is such a huge deal to everybody so why fight it why not work with it you know and it's a great mentality yeah yeah and it and don't get me wrong there are things culturally we should fight and stand against you know but you know, when you're when you're trying to convince an entire culture, most of them or a lot of them who don't, you know, are not faith people and don't care about Jesus or his church, you're not going to win them over, you know, by fighting against them, you know, when it comes to calendar and planning, but working with them, you can put a good taste in their mouth about that, you know, and so it's a good thing. But so that's, that's awesome. one of the cons. Yeah. But um, it, it just calendar planning is a lot simpler, but it also is a little bit difficult because when, when there is something the community cares about, it's a big deal. And, and trying to fight that, you'll just be pulling pulling hair. Yeah, you're so. not you're not going to be able to compete with that. No, no. All right. So uh, this is kind of the the last thing I want to chat with you about a little bit. But you mentioned in your intro that you had that your asterisks that you had a brief yeah. season um, away from Prairie Grove, and um, we don't have to dig too much into that. But I know that you went to uh, a church in Colorado for a season, and it yeah. was a different setting. It was not a rural setting. Yeah. It was a little bit more of a suburban. Um, kind of kind of setting that you were in. So um, I want you to kind of take us back to that moment when you were leaving and you knew you were going somewhere different where they don't square dance all through Labor Day weekend yeah. or whatever it yeah, may be, yeah. you know. And tell me what it was that you wanted to take with you. What did you know? Like, hey, this is ministry is still going to be this, even though my my context is changing here. What's funny is I literally was asked this question in the interview process. And I, I remember the restaurant we were at, who, excuse me, who I was sitting with, and they kind of wanted to know, you know, you're a you're a small town person. My hometown is about 45 minutes away from where I minister in, in eastern Oklahoma, and it's a town of about 3,000, a little more, very small. And I grew up 
about 10 minutes outside of that on a small blue collar farm, you know, about 12 minutes from town. And so, um, but they asked me, you know, you're, you're, you're small town, grew up small town. You've been ministering small town. You know, how are you going to make it work? Moving to a town of a couple hundred thousand church of a two, 3000 community with multiple high schools, multiple schools at every level. And I remember answering, and this is probably in that moment, I was speaking some wisdom beyond the wisdom that I don't have now. But I just remember saying like, like the things that students need are the same no matter where you go. And and I remember saying like, you know, as youth ministries, and I probably didn't say this then, but this is definitely how I feel now. Like we're going to, we're going to do the same thing in Cincinnati that we're going to do in, in Prairie Grove that we're going to do in Tulsa. We're going to try to create an environment that's safe, that's based upon family and community, that we can get those kids in God's presence through worship in his word. Um, we want them to grow together as a community. We want them to grow in their faith. We want them to have fun. And I literally just quoted our five core values of our student ministry to you. But, like, we're going to do that no matter where we go. And and a lot of that is because, you know, those things are timeless. They're timeless. You know, that these are things that, that in the book of Acts, the early church was doing when they were gathering together, and they're never going to change. Now, that's the skeleton, but how that gets fleshed out in different communities is different. And then... I remember telling them that I feel like the needs of students in Prairie Grove are the same as kids all around the world. They're looking for not all the needs, but the basic needs. They're looking for who am I, my identity. Um, I want somewhere to belong, a group of people that's bigger than myself, belonging, and, and, and their you know purpose. Like, why am I here? What, what am I doing with my life? Where, where do I fit, and what am I going to accomplish in this world? Why do I matter? That kind of stuff. And those are stolen from a former coworker and, and, and friend, Dr. Andrew Kirshner, who's a minister in Springfield now. But, but you know, he said those to me in a conversation one time. I just latched on. It's just so true. You know, my, my kids in my youth group, all of them, doesn't matter how diverse they are, they're all looking for, like, I want to fit somewhere with people. And I want to figure out who I am. And, and I want to find my place in this world where I can meet a need or be a big deal or succeed or kill it or whatever, some, some sense of purpose. And that's the same. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, in, in New York City, some big town in, in California or one of the flyover states. It's those things are the same all over the place. And it's taking those core needs and those core biblical values and figuring out how can we put flesh on the skeleton? What does this look like in my ministry in Lincoln, Nebraska versus my ministry in, like you said, Paris, Illinois, I think it was one of the towns you mentioned. Like, how do we flesh this out, you know? Um, yeah, and that's going to look different, honestly. You, you can't even put a church in a box, rural, suburban, urban, and say like, hey, this is how you flesh that no. out. You know what I mean? Because it's not every rural town in America where they have, and I'm not saying this jokingly, a square dancing competition that's no. the largest in the United States that you have to figure out how you're going to, you know, build your youth ministry calendar around. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, even in, you know, diverse rural communities, different types of communities, you still have to figure out how to put flesh on those bones. Yeah. But I think you're spot on. I think... Um, that identity, purpose, and belonging. Like, those are the things a kid needs. That's really cool, Matt. And one of the—you're making me think of another thing, and you could probably speak to this more than I could because you go to a lot of conferences and a lot of events and a lot of, like, hey, see how I was going to go here and be present, and this is a youth ministry gathering for youth ministers. I feel like a lot of times when organizations or entities are trying to showcase, like, how to do ministry or how to build a youth group or showcase what works, a lot of times they, they approach it from the mentality of let's find someone who's known, who's killing it, and, and people have heard of it. Normally that person is someone at a bigger church, multi-campus, multi-site, and how, what's worked for them there 
oftentimes will not equate equally, naturally, easily to, to people in a context like mine, you know, and that's why I love that you guys are not that we have it figured out. We don't, but just love that you guys are like a lot of the people that sit in chairs with you guys at events and move and mix and superstar are small churches from small towns and taking pride in that, you know, like, man, I'm going to stake my flag here and I'm going to kill it in ministry here for the long term. And I know that it, it may look different and be different and we may take different numbers to these events than these bigger churches that get showcased here and there, but it's like, you're still valid for the kingdom, you know, and, and you can still kill it for the kingdom. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. And, uh, Matt, it's, it's been really, really fun having you here and chatting with you about this for our listeners. I truly hope, I mean, I've learned a ton in this conversation and I think my perspective even on some things has changed in this conversation. So, um, I hope that if you're in a rural community that you've been encouraged by what Matt has to say, if you're not, I, I hope there's something here that um, you can dig into, and and like we talked about, take the skeleton, whatever that is, and figure out how to put flesh on it uh, in your own context. So, Matt, I, I thanks a ton for being here, man. It's a blast, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate yeah. you guys putting up with me. Drove through the snow and ice to get all the way up here to Joplin, Missouri, a little from bit, Prairie little Grove. Bit. So, uh, hey, keep up the good work down in Prairie Grove. We appreciate you. Um, guys, if you're out on the road at Move this summer, there's a pretty decent chance I don't know. There's a, there's a chance that you could see. You're uh, in charge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, then you'll see Matt up on stage preaching. Uh, so if you run into him, be sure to tell him that you listened and um, give him a little bit of encouragement about yeah. his ministry down there. So you guys uh, stay tuned for what I'm sure will be a hilarious and insightful conversation with CIY's mixed programming lead, Mallory Jenkins. I am now joined by just a delightful person, our uh, our mixed programming lead here at CIY, Mallory Jenkins. Mal, welcome to the podcast. Hello. <laughs> I don't know. It split second. My brain was like, uh, try something new. And then it was like, mm, go up and pitch. Uh, so no, I, I'm excited. Um, you said delightful and that made my heart happy. Oh, I'm good. Good. I didn't know if you believed it when I said it. <laughs> I don't know if I do. Okay, great. Well, Mal, why don't you uh, start off by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Um, well, my name is Mallory Jenkins. I've been working at Christ in Youth for five years full time, uh, but I traveled a couple of summers before that when I was in college. I have two dogs uh, that I am obsessed with. They are precious, and one is now like toothless, so he's even cuter. Uh, their names are Bear and Edgar. Yeah, very, very cute dogs. <laughs> uh, poor bear, you know, lost his top front two, teeth. two front teeth. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a tough go. His tongue doesn't stay in his mouth. So I was just like permanently like me. <laughs> so oh, cute. but he is cute. He's an old decrepit 10 year old. Yeah. It's love quiet. him. You love him. <laughs> um, Hey, we just got done with a really cool conversation with Matt Tibbet. Do you know Matt Tibbet? Of course I do. I love that hill. How do you know Matt Tibbet? Uh, I was a student that survived his youth group. <laughs> that, that survived I his survived. youth group. I survived. That's amazing. So you grew up uh, in or near Prairie Grove, Arkansas. Yes, Prairie Grove, Arkansas. Okay, very fun. What do you want the world to know about Matt Tibbet and life in Prairie Grove, Arkansas? Um. Well, the PG was awesome. Um, 72753. Um, <laughs> so uh, I loved it. It was a one-stoplight town. And he was a fantastic youth minister. I make fun of him a lot. And when people say his name, I like roll my eyes. I'm like, oh, that guy. Uh, but he actually gave me a lot of 
great foundations for content in like why we do what we do and silliness to deep stuff. And so I like go back to my idea, like my ideas of what youth camp was and what youth ministry was. And I'm like, oh yeah, we can play this game, but we're going to do it safer because um, <laughs> I'm older now. And Because like, it's 2022. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like last night at the youth group I serve in right now, uh, we had Mario Kart races and something came over me and I was like, I was the pusher. The kid was on the little scooter. And I was like, I'm not, we're not going to win. Like, I'm not going to win. But I, like, remembered that all these kids didn't challenge Rainbow Road like we did when we were kids. <laughs> and so when we got to the first turn, I slowed down and planted and then just did the really – and went Yeah, on take this, the inside. Yeah. The inside uh-huh, loop. Yeah. Well, everybody went to the outside, even, like, ran into the stackable chairs, you know. And we won. Yeah. But now I'm 29. My hip hurts. <laughs> and so I'm like, I planted too hard. But worth it. Worth it. Youth yeah. ministry. <laughs> yeah. Youth ministry, of course. Uh, no, we we had a really good time with Matt. His, uh, my f- favorite non-serious part of our conversation revolved around a uh, square dancing. Competition. Th- competition, yes. yes. That um, consumed the time and energy of, of many of the students in his youth group. Yes. And I'm interested to know if you were part of that. I was a square dancer for 10 years. Did you um, win? So here's the story <laughs> about how this life got turned upside down. Um, no, I, on a slip and slide, I, I square dance all of school. So you can start in like kindergarten. Um, square dance got to 11th grade, went to summer camp. We started square dancing for Labor Day. So I went to camp like late or something. At a camp with Matt, I somehow was dogpiled on a slip and slide by some like some of my fellow youth um and i like broke a rib and because we were like playing some game or something and so like i slid and then someone's like we can all slide like sandwiches like here so i was the bottom bread um and so i like broke very stupid um but i like broke a rib or something and they can't do anything for that but i can't dance i can't jump up and down within the first month it hurt so they replaced me and then they won. Ugh, I, I was hate like, that. Oh and you didn't get to be part and of it. And I went my entire life. I've been square dancing. I've been dosy doing. So in now this competition, and then they didn't replace, like, put me back in for senior year because they had won. So Samantha Skelton got to dance, and they won again our senior year. And then you just look over in like an alleyway eating a funnel cake. This sad girl, <laughs> not dancing with healed ribs. Oh, yes. like you totally could have. You were an able-bodied yeah, high school Yeah, they were student. like, well, we had already. We so here's what I want to know. If you're in the NFL yeah, and you you make it, you're playing, and it's like game seven, and you've helped the team win you know, six games, and now it's game seven, and you get hurt in game seven, and your team goes on to win the Super Bowl, you still get a ring. Yeah. You get a Super Bowl ring, because you, you might not have been yeah. there when they crossed the finish line, but you helped them get there. Amen. You helped them get there. Yeah, I did. I don't know what the square dancing version of a Super Bowl ring is, but I'm uh, interested to know if would, you got it. It would be a free pizza. Um, <laughs> we like, they like, you split like a money prize, but it's like very small. But then you get. It's like everyone gets 37 cents. Yes. And yeah. It's like everybody gets like $30 and it's like your parents have paid to get this ridiculous outfit made and new tap shoes and all of these things. It is nowhere near, but it's the glory. Yeah. And and Prairie Grove Schools, fun fact, I didn't know that people don't take Tuesday off of Labor Day until I came to a different state. And then I was like, 
You're going to school on a Tuesday after Labor Day? Because Labor Day we, weekend is a four-day weekend. Everybody because knows Because we are square dancing into the night, so the schools are shut down. And that is a beautiful piece of our country. I agree, actually. And after hearing him talk about it, it was uh, it was really beautiful. It was great. So <laughs> um, anyway, on to more serious things. You are our Mix programming lead. So yes. any programming element that happens at Mix, Mal might you might not necessarily like do or create that yeah. thing, but you have some accountability for making sure that that all of that happens. Uh, will you give us a a sneak peek? Like, is there something coming? at Mix this <laughs> summer in 2022 that you were just so excited to show us. Yes, we have a lot of things cooking right now, but I must say that two days ago I sent off a final script for a silly series we've been writing. <laughs> it's called Parables um, because this summer we were talking about how Jesus broadcasts his parables and how he shows that you know each parable uh, – just shows us an aspect of Jesus or the kingdom. Like it's talking about Jesus and the kingdom. And if we listen closely, we can hear what is to come and who has come. Um, and so parables is just a really, really cool. Um, it's now I like said that and I was like, what? I keep saying parables, but I say it wrong. Well, this series is pair of bulls. So it is <laughs> like <laughs> so not, not one silly, bull, but two. It's a silly. <laughs> So now I think I'm going to, I've like messed myself up for the rest of uh, forever and I'm going to say parables weird, Um, but it's a silly morning show series uh, that is two bulls, two men dressed as bulls, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just in a nearby country farm um, (laughs) explaining parables and so how Jesus use, you know, language and phrases of the people. And so, you know, who has ears, let them hear. Obviously, he was not talking to some people that didn't have ears. And sometimes dad jokes were very literal on things. And so what if these bulls could um, take funny sayings like you hear your your uncle say, like, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know, (laughs) a wolf in sheep's clothing. It's like it's not a literal wolf in sheep's clothing. And so can they break down those? So there's some silly some silly uh, moments. And I think one of my favorites is uh, bury the hatchet. Yes. (laughs) Just the idea of these two bulls, you know, and he's just burying some because he had an argument with his wife and um, (laughs) burying a weapon. And him explaining, well, you don't have to bury a weapon every time you forgive someone. Uh, (laughs) I'm like explaining this and it's like, well, grab a shovel, bud. I have forgiven a lot of people (laughs) over a lot of years, okay? (laughs) And then just before we cut to black, you hear, Oh, my first pitchfork. <laughs> Just, you know, digging up things on the farm. So oh, I love that. Hopefully it is fun and compelling for students, but it also like it also can ring a little bit of truth. And I think that that's the truth about anything we do here at CIY um, that I have so much fun writing is when we have games or anything, it's not just space filler. It, it's yeah. a moment and a memory that you can laugh with someone next to you, especially if you bring a kid that's not used to coming to events like this or any kind of church event, they're not necessarily warm when right. they walk in a room. Um, but if they can laugh with you and play a game with you and uh, have an inside joke with you, uh, maybe later when a speaker really unpacks scripture, they're more likely to come to you and to um, share like what's going on in their heart. And so hopefully parables can be one of those where yeah. uh, God's got so much to tell us, but let's not take it. Literally with the ears. <laughs> yeah. And who I mean, who we talk hair. all the time about like things that just like 
if all it does is get students to uncross their arms, yeah, then like that's a win, right? If Absolutely. they're if they're more attentive, if they're listening better, then yeah, you know this this film about two men dressed as bulls bearing hatchets or whatever, you know that's silly oh, yeah. and, and ridiculous, but um, also it's going to be a lot of fun, and hopefully we'll see some fruit from it. That'll oh, be yeah. great. Oh yeah. Speaking of fruit, uh, it's time for the mailbag. Mailbag. That was not a good transition on my okay. part, but you know what? The We're running with mailbag. it. Mailbag. The mailbag is I, a time. <laughs> I think we should have a jingle. You and Lane now have both said that. So well, I want you two to get together, and I want you to write a jingle, and RJ will sing it every time. Done. Okay. Well, you know, we have these things called computers where we can make a soundbite, and we could play it every time, and our sweet, sweet RJ would not have to do it. I like my plan better, but I hear what you're saying. Okay. All right. So the mailbag, uh, as we all know, is just a time when uh, we want to... We want to hear directly from you about the things that you care about. We want to hear your questions. We want to give you a behind-the-scenes look at at life at CIY. Mal, a funny thing happened when I posted on the CIY community Facebook group, and I said, Mal's going to be on the podcast. Do any of you have any questions? And the funny thing that happened is collectively several people just decided we are going to embarrass Mallory. (laughs) <laughs> and ask very... Can't be done. Can't be done. Shan't be done. It can't be done. You vultures. So um, I think some of these are going to lead to just ridiculous stories, but they're, I want you to know that they're very targeted questions. Okay. I bet I'm proud of like them they're, all. They're all very leading questions. So right. we're going to go kind of lightning round a little bit, done. if that's okay with you. Uh, it's, so Corey Klein, two-part question here. Is it true that you were a mascot in high school? 100% yes. Okay, tell us about that a little bit. Um, I wanted to hang out with my friends. I was not athletic or bendy. So um, I decided that I would petition for Prairie Grove to get a mascot. So I did, and I was actually a three-time All-American athlete. (laughs) (laughs) So So they grade how you mascot. Yeah, it's big thing. Have you not seen Cheer on Netflix? Uh, Navarro? Hello? It's a big thing. Okay. So we went to different competitions and summer events. And so just like any athlete, you can get All-American. And so when they would have those ceremonies, these amazing football players and volleyball players, you would just see them. And then they'd be like, and Mallory G, because they'd be like, oh, something doesn't fit. It'd be like, (laughs) three-time All-American mascot. (laughs) (laughs) So do you have like banners flying in the rafters at Prairie Grove High School? No, I do not. Oh, you should. In my mother's house. Yeah. Um, Yes, There are many. I'm sure. I just listened to my iPod shuffle, Michael Jackson music, and had a ball. Yeah, I bet you did. Okay. Uh, here's uh, so here's one from Avery Oldfield. Uh-huh. Yeah. I love this boy. Um, what is the highest number of snack cakes that you have taken on stage with you at Mix to bribe students with? 36. And What I... were they? <laughs> They were, they were honey buns because okay. uh, we were playing a game called the Sangambee. And so they couldn't win points for their Outer Realm team, but they could win honey buns. And then the backstage manager at the time, he said, he gave me all the boxes. And then I started. Was it Avery Oldfield? No. Okay. It was a different boy. Okay. And uh, he gave me all these boxes and I was like, clutter. And so I started putting the honey buns in my pockets and he was like, you can't fit all these. And I looked at him and I said, you don't know how I, how... You don't know how high I can fly. Yeah. And I 
It's and, like, do you see this jean jacket? Yeah. Do you see this denim jacket? Can you count the pockets? Yeah. There's so a lot of pockets. They were smooshed honey yeah. buns, but boy, oh boy, were they warm and they went to a yeah. very willing audience. <laughs> warm. They were warm. Gross. Uh, Michelle Cruz wants to know, has Mallory ever sat on a broken chair on stage? <laughs> because of you. Yes, I did, Michelle I wanna, Cruz. I, I was going to say, I want to interrupt you for a second. And the because of you there was not directed at me, Brad no. Warren. It was directed at Michelle Cruz. Yes. I yeah. did not know you, Brad Warren, in this time in the year of the Lord, 2014. Um, we were in Gunnison, Colorado. And uh, we had sketches lined up for the night. And um, she was our backstage manager, and our production manager had actually gone out in the seats and found some, like, broken chairs. It was kind of like the leg was missing or, like, the support thing and was like, oh, I'll, I'll switch those out. So he was just so nice so kids wouldn't fall. Well, he set those two aside. And then on the prop list, two chairs are to be placed on stage. So she was like, oh, my gosh, look, those two chairs. And it's a dead ringer for her voice, if you if you know her. <laughs> um, she was like, oh, look, there's two chairs. And she grabbed those two chairs that was sitting alone, you know, propped up. And so uh, the, you know, bumper or the video or whatever was playing was going down, and I was the first person on stage. And uh, I just sat in a chair, as one does, because you think, ah, huh, it'll do what it's doing. Everyone trusts a chair. I trust a chair. Not yeah. no more. I don't do that. Mal is actually standing right now. <laughs> oh, I wish I was. Um, <laughs> no, but I don't trust chairs anymore because of this this fateful moment. So um, imagine, I think it was the end of like a Kingdom Worker video. And so it was just like very like, like I'm a Kingdom Worker or just like a very nice last line. And then you just hear like crunching of like a Pepsi can. It's just <laughs> like I fell full full force into this, uh, you know, all like 83 pounds of me just really hit this and broke this chair. And then like the lights are coming up and I'm on top of the chair, like, like a garnish, like just a small garnish <laughs> on an entree. And so then everybody like the lights are up and I'm like, ah, my mic's on, but I don't know what to say because I've just crushed a chair and my hopes and dreams. And so then I, so I stood up and I took the moment to, it's, it's, so quiet. It's 800 kids. <laughs> so quiet. And I like look at the next one. So I was like, ah, make it comical. So I like put my foot in the next one to test it. Like, surely, you know, like 52 pounds of me won't crush a second, <laughs> a second uh, chair. Alas, it did. Again, <laughs> I pancaked on that thing and crushed it chair <laughs> and I'm just laying there and now I'm supposed to do like this sketch that points students to Jesus <laughs> but I'm like oh my gosh I can't trust chairs anymore so we get through it and I somehow blamed it on like a, I was supposed to be a kid in youth group so I like blamed it on like the bad kid in youth group that was like, Bobby put out two broken chairs again like and tried to make it a part of the thing and then later in our like team meeting he was like those were two broken chairs i got from the audience and I was like, <laughs> thank you but um yeah so uh -huh. now i mean i'm older that was when i was 20 i'm 29 uh still probably only 35 pounds um but i still <laughs> I, I i check chairs before i sit in them oh my gosh that is a really quality story yeah that was the first time i ever was with ciy 
And then for Superstart, the next Superstart tour, um, so I was with Mix when I crushed chairs. And then uh, I was going to act for the Superstart tour, uh, the um, Mysterious Truth tour mm -hmm. um, with the cupcaking. And they were writing the script and they were saying how, like, we need we need a character to kind of share their most embarrassing story. And I was like, oh, boy, oh, boy, do I got <laughs> one for you. Happened this year. I don't trust myself. So then I went on to tell that story for 12 tour stops across the <laughs> nation. And was I was like, thinking yeah. this is a little polished. Like you've got oh, yeah. it nailed down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is your bit. Oh, yeah. I have one bit, Brad, and you nailed it. Um, if you gave me anything else, oh, what a flop. Oh, my gosh. No. <laughs> uh, that is genuinely hilarious, and I loved every moment of it. Okay. Noah Gibson. Uh he wants to know that uh, the culture, you know, the culture we live in right now is very much a kind of going viral. It's very of the moment. Things change all the time. Like what's cool now might not be cool three months from now. So Absolutely. how do you plan mix knowing that? You know what I mean? How do you create content that is going to appeal to junior high students, but it has to appeal to them not now, but four months from now? Oh, great question. I mean. It's really true. I mean, you guys battle this as youth ministers every week of, like, what's funny? Like, uh, I know Matt Tibbett, he shows a funny video of the week. I mean, and the surge of when I was in junior high is really when YouTube started coming. So, I mean, really, any content was just hilarious. But now students have such a, like, palette for what's trendy or what's funny. Or that was funny two weeks ago, but it's not funny now. I tell you, uh, I have terrible insomnia and this keeps me up at night <laughs> as we, as we plan, uh, mix. But I think, I think as we like go through and we plan stuff, I mean, there's things like an amp up song. Like we don't know when Justin Timberlake's going to drop the next, uh, <laughs> can't stop the feeling, can't stop the yeah. feeling. But when he does, Boy, oh boy, is it a great time. Um, and But then you find something that's like a goodie, but an oldie, like the church clap, and then everybody loses their minds. Like, that's... like even junior high students have a sense of nostalgia. Yes, yeah. yes. That's not a new song, but somebody has played it in some youth group. There's a youth group in Kansas that they had a song, and they did a dance to it, and it was like, hey, how about we use this? And then we've used it for two years because, well, one, we used it in 2019 as our amp-up song, um, and then it was super fun, 2020. Uh, we didn't get to go out on the road. So then in 2021, we were like, well, let's use this because, sadly, the sixth graders that were there in 2019, they didn't get to come in as seventh graders, but then as eighth graders, this is your last year of mix, and the nostalgia of the church clap was what they got to do when they were sixth graders. So let's use it again. Now, are we wanting to retire it? Yes. No, oh, please. But, <laughs> yes. Let me tell but... you something. I go out on, like, sometimes when I direct events at Move, I will co-host The Alternative, which is easily my favorite programming element in the whole CIY universe. Mm -hmm. And this last summer, the event staff crew that I was with, they wanted to kick off the alternative with the church clap. Hmm. And I couldn't do it. You couldn't, you, you I mean, I can do it. No. Oh, oh, you couldn't do the dance. I got winded. Okay. I thought you were saying I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I could not. No, we did the church on. clap, but it got to the point where like later in the summer, I would wait. Like I would stay backstage for half, oh. two thirds. And oh, then I would pop out there, look absolutely. like a total expert. 
oh, for 49 seconds and then be no done. No one has seen me do the church clap because what they do is I go out there for the, the moon rocking back and forth. Mm-hmm. And then when it gets crazy, I go down into the audience and I'm more like, uh, you know, shaking hands, kissing babies. Yeah. I'm actually never doing that dance because yeah. I can't lift my leg that high. I injured it in go-kart last night. I can't do it. <laughs> um, but it, 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 it's funny, the trends. It's really just keeping your um, keeping your thumb on the pulse of culture, and you don't have to replicate it. And I think that that's something I've been very disappointed in TikTok is that somebody has a very funny original idea. And then it's funny when, you know, 10 people give their own interpretation of that. Um, like uh, Hamilton, look around, look around. It's like the first person to say, this is what I, this is how I speak to my husband when he can't find something at the store. Like that's my mother. It's hilarious. Maybe, you know, oh, this is how I speak to this person with my kids when they can't find their shoes. Like these are funny adaptations, but then eventually it's just like, ugh, we can't just keep doing the same thing. It's not funny. It's not original. Like be true to you. And so, I think you can keep up with youth um, by watching and listening and hearing what they enjoy, but you also don't be afraid to make your own. Like there, there's a reason why. I mean, there's great production value in like you, like vi- music videos and yeah. YouTube and everything. But then it's actually like the funny like Chocolate Rain video from 2008. Like, that's the one that you're like, oh, I found this. And it's hilarious. And it's like, you found it, small child. <laughs> I lived it. Um, so there's something about like, hey, did you enjoy it? Bring it back for them. Yeah. Or make something new. Yeah, I love it. what you're saying about originality. It's like yeah. no one else in a junior hire's life is uh, dressing up as two bulls and dissecting idioms. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, I hope not. We're not. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Otherwise, we are going to be old news. Yeah, However, I, I sure hope not. You know, like creating original ideas that are, you know, that kind of just speak the same language as a junior high student yes. is better than trying to mimic yes. the thing that they think is funny. Yes. Um, <laughs> very much true. If we tried to do any kind of TikTok things, it would flop. But the Is this I, a bad time to plug your TikTok? I do not have a TikTok. <laughs> and I refuse kidding. to download I the app. Good but I do watch them. They're called Reels on Instagram. It's TikTok <laughs> three days later. Um, <laughs> and I lose a lot of time that way. But yeah, it, it's fun seeing what, the, what they think is funny, what they think is um, what's... I guess I'm trying to say like engaging. they're engaging, yeah. like their attention yeah. span, what they what draws them in. Uh, but you can have your own flavor of that. And um, I think if we tried to do what every one of them are doing, like we it would just be nonsense. And again, we would not create anything original. It would yeah. just be a remake, a remake, a remake. Yeah. Well, thanks for all that uh, hilarity and wisdom all wrapped up in all of your answers to the mailbag. Um, we are going to end our time together, Mal, by doing something that every guest who has sat in this seat from the CIY world has done, which is read a blessing over our youth pastors. Youth pastors, we love you. We care about you a lot. Uh, these things are the things that we want for you and that we want God to give you. So, Mal, I'm going to have you read that blessing for us. I would love to. May God show you grace and bless you. May he make his face shine on you. 
May you experience the love of Christ through whom God gives you fullness of life. May you, may you be strengthened by his power. May Christ himself make his home in your heart, that you would be full of his love and grace and those you serve would see Jesus in you. Today's episode was produced by RJ Harbison, Lauren Bryan, and myself. Thanks again to Mallory and Matt for the wisdom and insight they shared with us today. And of course, thanks to all you wonderful listeners. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to join us in two weeks for a very special extended mailbag episode of the podcast featuring CIY's president, Jason French. In the meantime, feel free to reach out to us on the CIY Community Facebook page or by email at podcast at CIY.com. See you next time.